When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I watched Dune last night. Oh. I will say, maybe spoilers, uh, you do Oscar Isaacs is nude in this film. <gasps> do you see his, oh. do you see it? You don't know. Then he's not nude. Then he's not nude, James. <laughs> it's tastefully done. You see, you see the roundness of his ass. Uh, That's not what I get. Some good thigh in. shots. Some good torso <laughs> shots. Like there's, there's some stuff there. <laughs> I, it, it's better than Oscar Isaac, you know, being in the film fully clothed. Mm -hmm. I want some Affleck Gone Girl action. If we're talking nudity. <laughs> I What's mean that Poe Dong. <laughs> I mean uh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean I would love to go to the cinema with, with with my partner, watch the scene with Oscar Isaac's shapely booty, and then loudly stand up and say, Well, that's everything I needed to see. <laughs> just, kind of, just, just march out. <laughs> All right, my friends, I'm going to do some magic. How's everyone feeling about that? We're not skeeved out and we're not withholding any sort of like resentment for, you know, ruining the world when I do these things, right? Cable, did you, do you think what you did ruined the world? So this brings us to scene three, sharing a heresy. <laughs> I think this begins after you have performed your first duty, which you were sent to defeat the changeling, and you succeeded. Not Travis. The, no. The the time immemorial change. Yes, this is long before the fall. Very long before the fall. And and time is for us stretches so long that it is difficult to understand the, the sequence of things. But being one of the first things that you did, and being the fact that you have essentially existed in some form or another since time has been. This is a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. But it is one of the first things that, that you were sent to do. I believe it was tiring work. I believe it was difficult work. And I believe, but do not know, that you were feeling a type of way about it. And I think this takes place in, for lack of a better term, the quarters of the Morning Star. Angels, I, I don't think it is their preference to be, but you have also never seen the Morning Star not being. They are always in, in some form or another in a kind of formal dress. Mm -hmm. You know, the body that looks like the bodies that have been designed in the image of the Sovereign. And that form requires place. And so there is a place where the Morning Star exists. And it is a velvet place. It is a place of reds and blacks and gold. And especially given 
the perceptions that you've received uh, from the feathers that turned you into the instrument of the sovereign's justice, it is a pleasant place to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe part of the reason that you are here right now is, is it would be nice to be in a pleasant place. Mm -hmm. The morning star is in recline right now. In a recline that is practiced to look casual, but you know that it is full of nerve and anxiety. <laughs> uh, Bellwether isn't in physical form. I think they're so either torn up about it or just don't they don't have the energy to to manifest so it's just a grumpy little fire in the corner just mm -hmm. kind of <laughs> sallowing in itself my report i said it took three days it really only took an hour i know i know that you know but i wanted to say it for honesty i think i sit up and look forward at you with this is probably one of the one of the more interesting choices that 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 the morning star makes they look at you with an expression of concern i think one of the weird and and perhaps creepy things about angels when they are forced to manifest in formal dress expressions aren't really a thing they get and you have to work at it mm -hmm. like you you have to intentionally decide to communicate information this way otherwise you would very naturally just appear flat and perfect and emotionless or some of them choose an expression of benevolent joy or bliss but not me I appreciate that you told me. It was so easy. And I didn't take joy nor pain in it. Which I suppose is the intention. Justice should take no joy and no pain. I couldn't stop looking. Just the bear. Laying in a wooded glen. I waited for her. She was supposed to come. And she didn't. That was strange to me. So I kept on waiting. There is so much pain that exists between them. <laughs> she, more likely than anything, was simply embarrassed. She's dispatched your predecessor. I suppose she expected to dispatch you as well. Oh, the queen is not my concern. The girl. The maiden? You said my predecessor was caught up I wanted to see why you you thought that no she she is on a mountain she is stuck she is only manifestation that is all that is left to her and she is stuck then why are you afraid of her I'm not I'm not afraid of her I'm not afraid of her Bellwether manifests enough to kind of give like okay face to them it's a powerful thing to not care about when you've cut off your own left arm for it I look nervous I, I, I cast my glance about the space as though the space is going to give me more information. I pull a wing from my wrist and a feather from that wing. And you can see that this feather, it doesn't look like other feathers. All feathers are kind of these perfect things that, that are so intricate and so perfect it can barely said to be that they have form at all. They, they look more like fire upon close inspection than they do 
a, a real tangible physical object. But this one is bare. It is in strands. And listeners will recognize it as the feather that Gable touched before they fell into these memories. And they plant it into the ground of their place. And it feels like it shuts. I say this to you because you are my responsibility. I am to foster you and train you and care for you and if necessary discipline you and all those choirs beneath me. I do not fear her. I never feared her. I fear what happened to her. That is intentionally revealing something about myself. From the chandelier. Oh, okay, okay. This is fine. This is good. We 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 were do a good one. This is fine and good, and I like it. It's fine and good. Did not, did <laughs> not like putting it in that place. It's fine, but it's also good. <laughs> It's fine, good, and somehow also bad. No, it's fine and good and great. We love it. Bellwether manifests entirely excited. This is the thing that they finally, they have been able to understand. It's the feeling, the fear, and the anxiety that they have been able to pinpoint in themselves as they have been likened into mortal emotions they haven't been able to put the name to it so it seems like this is the same thing something that is so powerful that it could cause that sort of anxiety and fear and so they're like like a student they're so excited to say what is it what is it i feel sick every day because of it i know it's the same you always (sighs) it was always within you always the reason that you know it now and it is apparent to you now manifold uh, you manifest more now than before Uh, before there's very little manifestation for you Uh, now it is expected because you are part of the left hand You are feeling an awareness of the thing that always exists within you, that has always existed. It is feeling. You've always been able to feel, and you simply have more sense to process what exists in a a raw form. Hmm. It's quite clinical, don't you think? I don't know what you want. Bellwether, I don't know what you want. That that's what it is. You You speak the word want. I hate it when you catch me. <laughs> it is how we have been made. And it is how he desires to see us without form we are feeling. In form, with form, we understand the weight of ourselves. Bellwether looks at the uh, the planted feather and takes it into their hand and starts to gently touch it. That is an unintentional touch. I know. Or is this, this... I think it's an intentional touch. Okay, so that's your one for the game. This goes well. Uh, feel free to stand up if you need to. Everything feels bad. God, everything feels bad. Oh, we have so few options left to us. Liz, don't try and fix it. That'll make it worse. So this brick here moved? It did move. Oh, my God. Don't Watch your chair. It is poked against this terrible table. <gasps> oh no oh my god oh my god how could that be fine <laughs> how could that be fine 
<gasps> oh, this is fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Watch your chair. Oh my God! Pull the chair back from the. It's t- fine. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. It's fine. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They take the feather into their hands and slowly start running across the quills. And then they say, how do you wish to be seen? I think when you do that, The morning star lets out a sound that cannot be repeated in audio. They are not used to being touched in that way. And it takes a while for them to process the question that you have just asked. However you see me. And this is unintentionally revealing something about... So far away from this. Fuck that. Fuck. How are all of them solid? It's all bad, baby. (sighs) (sighs) Impossible. I hate putting this on top of the tower. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (sighs) See, it's this middle situation that we've done to ourselves. Yeah, well, it's the middle situation now combined with the weight at the top of the tower, which sucks because in order to reduce that weight in any measurable way, we'd have to pull from the top of the tower, which the the bricks are angry. The 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 wibbly boys. <laughs> oh God. I I think actually it's not something that the Morning Star leaves a chance to respond to. Don't you dare! I know how the sovereign sees me and believes that I should be seen. But there is weight in that. Purposeful weight. Manifested weight to understand, to to experience feeling, to experience my being. I know this is not the way that one such as you would see me. I see you as the only star in the sky. Oh, shut up. You shut up. <laughs> I think we cut this. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah! Do you think what you did ruined the world? Yes. Have you seen the world? I'll admit, I don't think I'm good at thinking. No, really? Stuff. (laughs) Hey. Hey. Coming from Travis? Sure. Coming from you? Maybe not as much. I'm sorry I'm feeling spicy. I apologize. I can't wrap my head around a lot of things. I, uh, I feel complicated about big spooky magic stuff. I I don't, I don't talk about this a lot. I think Dref did something really weird with my arm. Mm -hmm. I... I can't feel it, but I can move it. And that's fine. I have been sailing long enough. I've seen people who have gotten burns. And I can, I've seen how bad that can be. And I can see the skin on my arm. It's pretty clear that if I could feel it, it would be pretty bad. And so I'm grateful for that. And... The arm is also very strong, and I like to do a lot of big, strong stuff. Like, get cool treasures. Uh, but I can't feel it, so... So sometimes, when I grab things, I break them. And that's not... That's not good. 
It's not your fault. Well, it makes me feel angry. And that's, I can't, I can't focus on it much farther than that because when I do, it just makes me angrier. Uh huh. That's kind of how I feel about that story that you told. I know the fire means that you can't tell a lie. So, if you said that you did that thing, then you did it. And I can't really think about anyone doing something like that or or what it might mean. And I, I think about all of the things that might have come as a result of that. And I don't feel angry, but it all feels too big to think about. Right? It's a lot. Still have to put one foot in front of the other, right? Every day, and then you keep on doing it. And then back there, it's always tick, tick, ticking. Kind of where I am with my arm, too, so... You know, if, uh... I I guess all that means is... Sure, you know. Sure. Okay. I don't have a problem with you using your magic. It is a gift. Thank you. So often I just do the thing I'm going to do anyway, but I feel very validated. Thank you. Small stuff, but important. All right. So I'm going to cast magic. What I think Mm -hmm. would be cool and scary is if we could... Mm -hmm bring up a whole person or like maybe not even talk to a ghost, but like. Okay. Okay. How about this? The challenge of what you are trying to do is going to grow with the more specific information that you get. Okay. If you want like bare hints at what could be, then make an average roll. If you want a lot of a clearer picture that that might provide some concrete answers, that's going to be a hard roll. And if you want to talk to a ghost, that's daunting. Okay. I want to figure out why my main goal is to figure out why everyone dies down here. What do you think that is? I'm not specifically talking to anyone. Again, I can tell you exactly why people die for average, but you probably won't love the answer. For hard, I can tell you more specific information about how people will die that will, you will probably like that answer more. Mm -hmm. And like, if you can pull off a daunting role, I'll reveal the whole prestige. Oh, I think I want to do a daunting role because my magic is really good. Mm. Okay. All right. What is daunting? Daunting is four purple. Four purple. Okay. And then- I would love to upgrade that if possible. Are you casting to a luminary? Or are you making a sacrifice? Um, or are you going to do some kind of ritual? I feel like I already owe a luminary, so I probably don't want to do that. Do you? I don't think you do. I, I, on the boat, I cast to a luminary as when, the during children, the, the ship battle, as I recall. I think that Luminary was kind of aligned with your ends. Okay. So I don't think you owe anyone anything. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, then let's do Luminary. Fuck it. <laughs> Love it. Fuck it. Love that perspective. Cold <laughs> shot. It's the Rusalka. <laughs> I mean, I'm shuffling right now. If it is the Rusalka, that would make me extremely happy. What What does that do to my dice pool? Uh, that will upgrade once. So green would turn to yellow? Yes. And... It is the Maelstrom. Ah, the Maelstrom. Maelstrom. Chaos, change, and storm. After the stars fell, natural order was disrupted. Now the seasons flow out of order in ever-shifting patterns that cannot be predicted by anything other than an incredibly skilled star watcher. When the seasons change suddenly, they are accompanied by a maelstrom, a terrifying storm that changes sphere to match it. Plants and animals that survive the storm shift to their new seasons seamlessly. Intelligent creatures suffer and adjust as they can. 
something will change drastically and violently, upsetting any expected natural order. The change will come in a wild crucible that may destroy you before you see it if you are not clever and strong. I think the Maelstrom demands an exchange for helping you on this. And I'm going to allow you to upgrade twice. Twice. If you make this deal with a luminary, otherwise you will receive no luminary benefit whatsoever. The Maelstrom is going to ask you to dive in and seek out the treasure. If you commit to doing that, it will help you unravel it in this spell. Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. All right. Uh, so taking two greens and turning them into yellows? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Okay. So that means I've got four yellows. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> I know. Fuck. I know. I know, y'all. All right, let's roll them bones. Interesting. Okay. That's two successes and a threat. All right. Oh. Okay. Yeah. On oh, a daunting, okay. too. That's very good. <laughs> How does Gable go about casting this spell? What What posture do they take? What does oh. it look like? In the spirit of the maelstrom, they're just going to take their hand and start just swirling around in the pool to try and recreate just mm-hmm. getting a, a little whirlpool going. I think you stir the pool with your hand at first, and then you draw your hand out of the pool, still moving it in a circular motion above the water, and eventually bring it to rest as you kneel in front of the water as the churning continues without your stirring. And then I think Gable closes their eyes and then opens their eyes. As your scant feathers that you have put back together, including the damaged one that that you have been dealing with, open up. And at this point, I think we get another flashback to your past. It's James, your game master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right. This one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, Just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby, and taking care of a newborn does not leave me with time to do most of my regular podcast duties. Obviously, Skyjax is going to continue posting. I'm just not going to be making bespoke mid-roll announcements for it. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book, and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash rpgbackstory2, and that's two as in the numeral two, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order. That is all major online retailers. 
every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, first I want to thank Lex, the Lexicon artist, for joining us as a guest for this arc. And I want to let everyone listening know that Lex is currently touring. So if you've enjoyed their performances here on the show, and you're also in a position where you think you can go out and see shows safely, I highly recommend showing up to Lex's tour. They're going from the East Coast through the Midwest, up and down the country throughout March and April. And you can get tickets for a performance in your area by heading to thelexiconartist.com or following the link in our show notes. And if you can't make it to one of the tour dates, check out Lex's website anyway and listen to their music. It's really great. In addition to our regular game, for this arc we're playing StarCrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. StarCrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member Alex Roberts and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of StarCrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez-Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that'll be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course, Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. This scene happens on the firmament. You are working, and I am with you as you work. I think another cruel fact about the Sovereign is he does not watch these things happen. He makes his angels of judgment watch and he makes the angel of justice act when it is necessary. And as you work, there is so much power, so much power, that even angels of judgment find it difficult to observe. And here you are, in the furious heat of work, and I trail with you. You're slipping. Or is it just part of my dance? It's not part of any dance that I taught you. I learned a new dance. I'm teaching myself new dances every day. I'm fun. I'm a fun party guy. And it is the purview of the fun party guy to leave that wicked child to its own devices? I agreed to the purges. And I agreed to cast down the wicked based on what you've, you've taught me and what I can see. When I tell you I did not see anything in that child. Really? I saw nothing. Nothing in that child? I saw nothing in that child. The pathways that that child... He is awful. He is the worst. The absolute worst. I will agree that the vibes were off. Rancid. They and, were rancid. But there was no wickedness there. You must trust me. <laughs> well, I must trust you. I must trust you. I you gotta trust me. Must trust you. I gotta have to have to must needs. What is gotta? What is gotta? See, 
Okay. So language is an ever-moving target, right? And I thought that it was interesting. I've been listening in quite a bit, and uh, the common tongue has evolved over the past hundred years in some things that I find endearing. I think the Morning Star pauses and moves through different motions with their arms. They are they're trying to settle with the thing that you have told them, the thing that you have said, and can't. I think actually, oh, I think you might, I think this might need to be a poll. Okay. Because okay. you are revealing, and Liz, Liz, you need to watch that chair. You need to watch how that chair interacts with this table and keep them apart. They are not friends. They are enemies to each They're other. Frenemies. They're sometimes buds. There we go. Oh, fuck. Oh, f- stand up. Stand up. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, look at the chair. Oh, God. Why do you insist on doing it this way? Oh, my God. <gasps> well, you've also revealed what could be a following break. <gasps> <laughs> Impossible. I'm sorry. You watch them? You You study them? said I should. I said you should know them. I said you should see them and know them when when you come across a boy like that. You should see the paths that lie in front of him. You should know what kind of man the boy will be. You don't need to know Gata. Lavender. That's what it is. That's what you smell like. Again, if it were not for the fire, we would be able to see how the morning star flushes. I didn't know its name. There are baskets of it in the market, and when they set a flame, it was you. That was the smell. Oh, that's been bothering me. I think the morning star is struck. I don't... (sighs) Lost for words. Something I've not seen. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The Morning Star... it, It might be that there is desperation in this move. It might be that that you have struck a kind of chord in them, but there is a playful gleam in their eyes, those that you can see, and those that cannot be seen, but as the instrument of justice, you have the purview of viewing beyond sight. And they step forward, or... As in your private moments together, you have come to know he steps forward and he pulls an arm around your waist, pulls your chests closer together and looks into the eyes that you have manifested. You do take every advantage of us being unseen. And I'm going to try and pull this brick. I was about to say, you don't get to do that for free. Mm-hmm. I'm getting so far away. Impossible. Impossible. No way. There's absolutely no way. I'm good at Jenga. <laughs> Says the morning star. Copyright. That is absolutely an intentional touch. I hold you, and I relish in the nervous trembling that results from it. I think it's something that I discovered a long time ago. When you were manifesting in your form and being particularly the way that you are, This is how you react to my touch. And there is a delight in that reaction. 
because I know that you, who are so powerful and so willfully joyous in pushing my buttons, can't control it. Bellwether realizes this is a bridge too far. We're in the middle of the ferment. This is so out of order. I think, like, yeah, I I can feel that and see that on your face. They don't look here. They tell me everything they see. So many who are invested in judgment have no stomach for justice. (laughs) I've already done my intentional test, so I can't do much. You can intentionally reveal. You can also unintentionally reveal and unintentionally touch. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of unintentional touch that can happen when you are this close. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if you touch in a way that is clear that you haven't decided to touch, but you are doing it, um, and you discover yourself doing it as it it has happened, like, and just sit with it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not quite believing it, Bellwether thinks they hear a sound and sort of grabs at the forearm of the Morning Star. Uh, It's kind of like, we have to run. And then realize there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, you do that and like a building collapses. (laughs) Like, like there's like a sound of like a support beam snapping and you're like, that's someone seeing us. And then like just a building collapses in just a tower of flame. And the morning star laughs. They laugh this high musical sound that mixes with the bright flames of the world around you. And of course, you gotta pull. Please push that chair back as far back as you can. Oh, and of course you're wearing a fucking cape of some... Hey, I'm I'm, I'm gonna... gonna... Take off my cape. James, I don't think I'm making it out of this one. (gasps) (gasps) Hold this goddamn scene right now. Wow. Wowie, wowie, zowie. Bellwether realizes what they've grabbed, slowly sets it down, steps away, but nods in understanding. I've been thinking. You've been thinking? About Bellwether. About the Morning Star. They don't do what I want them to. You're important. You are should. You are justice. When these creatures scurry away from your work, they should have something to call you. What would you have them call me? I would have them call you Uriel, the light of the sovereign itself. What you what would you have me call you? I would have you call me Lucifer, he who bears that light. That is absolutely an intentional reveal. It's all bad. It's all it's all it's not even just that it's bad, it's so bad. Impossible. That is the purpose of want. I will do this for my star. And that's the end of the scene. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, we rejoin you here in this moment, sitting by the side of the pool. And you can see the lines of possibility within the universe. You can see lines of possibility not just leading from the 
people around you, both Wendell and Nodos, you can see the luminescent forms of their beings diving, sinking into this well beneath you. And you can see different nodes. Some of them are turning back and coming back to the surface. Some of them go down quite farther and wink out in death. And we then pull back farther than the people around you towards the past. And you can see thousands of nodes of all of the people who have trod this same path in the past towards this prize. The different nodes of them moving down, turning back, moving down, and winking out. And you can see the turning back. They are swimming down firmly, strongly. Everyone who descends, it seems, descends in the same way. We, I think we see, like, the shadowy forms uh, of people's spiritual energy as they are diving down into the water. And everybody swims down with the same determination. Those who turn back, it feels very sudden. It doesn't feel like it has the urgency of drowning. Then we cut towards those who wink out, who die. We focus in on that because that is, after all, where our curiosity sits most. And we can feel in that, in their descent further towards the bottom, there we feel the urgency of death in drowning. They swim towards the bottom the way that most people would swim towards the surface. And at the very last instant, we can feel a tug, a cold hand, a cold, luminous hand, the touch of Rusalka. Oh, this is river water? Not the well itself. But those that swim deep enough touch the river, and some of them remain in the river, commit themselves to it, body and spirit passing to the world of death all at once. There are no bodies of the folk who have drowned in this pool, because no one really drowns. They simply decide to swim towards death with the urgency that most people head towards life. And, of course, to reward you completely because you took on the greatest challenge and therefore get the greatest reward, you are rewarded with the knowledge of what the treasure is at the bottom of the pool. And it is, of course, an angel feather. (laughs) One of yours. Gosh, does this... This could mean, though, that the cutting stone is down there. That's not good. It could mean, yeah. What was it? What was your results? It was two successes yeah, and a threat. And a threat. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the threat is that you know people are pulled fully into death, and now, like, you are trying to scramble to understand the cosmology of life and death. I, I think for Gable, for you know, 200 years, the most important thing to know about death is that it didn't fucking apply to them. When they were an angel, a full angel, they couldn't die, and it was not their station to understand death. If they ever knew it, they forgot it when their wings were carved away. But as a mortal being, immortal in quotes, as a being who walked sphere, like all of the other humans around you, you knew that you were cut off from death, that more than anything else, it was the thing that felt like it was denied you. It's something that everyone else feared, but you did not. And so what happens when people die wasn't as important as the fact that it made you sad when they left you. But now, you are trying to remember the mythology surrounding death. You know that the cutting stones of the wardens are guardians. You have faced at least one in battle. And you know that Rusalka is supposed to be something of a guardian of the river. Something of someone that 
allows people to usher into planes beyond, or in many cases, forces people to be ushered beyond. But it's hard to say what might be waiting at the bottom of that well, what force might be exploiting a part of your body to have taken thousands to a watery grave. Ooh! All right. So the spell's still going. I like to imagine like that the tide pool is going so fast. It's kind of like that scene in Little Mermaid where you can see straight to the ocean floor and you can see like mm-hmm. the dried treasure at the end. Gable gets up, puts a hand on both of the boy's shoulders and says, you absolutely cannot go down there. The two of you cannot go. You must not. No, no, I have to. No, literally, you can't. You will die. You will die if you go. I, I, no one knows that. I do. (sighs) You are looking at a tributary. No, people either swim down there and they die or they know why they want to live. Oh, bud. Do you, do you not... Wendell... What's the matter? You're... You're about to leave the ship. You're about to go raise a family. Do you not know why you want to live? I... No, I... I know why I'm on the ship. I... I know why I take risks. And it's because I got something worthy of taking a risk for... But now, if I go home, if I get married, then it's just going to be me and all the scars that I got earning that money. And I know what those scars are like. Sometimes you pick things up and you grab them tighter than you want to and they break. And it doesn't matter if it's a cup or if it's a rope or whatever, but... It matters if I'm at home. Wendell punches the wall. And the rocks shatter. You feel a rumbling of the cave. I think both you and Nodos understand exactly how powerful Wendell's temper can be now that he is in this state. Blessed with Dreth's parting gift, an arm that does not live, but moves with strength and power beyond mortal strength, but cannot feel and cannot create its own limits. Gable just goes over to Wendell and kind of scoops him up into a very strong hug. You don't need to keep gifts. Just because something is a blessing doesn't mean it remains so. I don't want... I don't want to get rid of it. I'm not mad at Drif. I'm happy. I'm just afraid of myself. Uh. How do I know that I'm going to go back to them and be what they need me to be? When I was on the ship, all I had to be was strong and fearless. And if I died in battle then my share and whatever payment that we had agreed on went back to the people who care about us would have gone back home and that could have sustained everyone. And before I... uh, No, not even before. I don't know if the person that goes back home is going to be what they need from me. I don't know how to be that way. I know how to be strong and brave and fearless and and, and jump into situations where I don't know if I'm coming out of them. What am I going to do? Read books? Absolutely not. We know that you can't. Not because because you choose not to. You know how to read. You just don't do it. Yeah, I, I read all I needed to read. Yes. I'm done with it now. It's over. Got all, all the words that you needed. I put down that book, I said, done, and I meant it. 
And I've committed to that. Absolutely. I understand it. (laughs) I don't know how to tell you that you don't need to be anything besides yourself. And the only thing other people need from you is for you to accept yourself wholly. I'm not a psychotherapist. I can't tell you how to do that. Wendell looks down at the pool, looks at the swirling nexus of water that is eerily silent, and the golden treasure that is so far beneath. Wendell looks at his arm, breathes in shakily, and breathes out. I guess... I guess there aren't easy answers. But I know where you end, and it's not in here. Wendell looks at Gable again. There is a touch of not the fear, but definitely the quality of the look he gave you earlier when he was contemplating someone who had struck down the Sovereign when his brain was touching the cosmic truth that sits upon your shoulders every waking moment of your life. But yes, there there is no fear in this. It is the understanding of a thing beyond. Wendell, I think we can tell, understands in this moment that when you say you see where he ends and that it is not here, provides the clarity that he was seeking when he brought his closest friends onto this trip that he felt possibly might have ended his life. And there is relief in that look. He steps back, rolls his shoulder, stretches his muscles. Well, all right then. Yeah. I guess I'm okay. Good. Now, if you two, just five minutes, I'm going to do a little sightseeing. And Gable jumps in the pool. Scotty jumps. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Neoscum. Neoscum is a narrative comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadowrun. It follows a group of misfits and outsiders. Z, an acerbic cyber troublemaker. Pox, the candy junkie klepto from across the pond. Tech Wizard, the public access actor with a petulant thirst for adventure. And Dak Rambo, the nastiest trucker this side of the Robo Mason Dixon. Join the irascible Neoscum crew on a puerile rock and road trip through a weirdo world of tomorrow, doling out street justice to every deeb they encounter, whether they deserve it or not. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. 
Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. The strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky